0: strike force energy veteran owned american made and one of the hottest new energy products on the market strike force energy was developed by veterans for one simple reason the fight will always follow you and it waits for no one buck sexton here for strike force and i invite you this summer to join us in giving back to america's troops over the last three years strike force energy has shipped millions of packets to our troops both at home and abroad and now we're bringing this battlefield proven liquid directly to your door Strikeforce Energy Liquid Packs, available in four flavors, have zero sugar, zero calories, and are made with only the finest ingredients. For the fuel to power through your toughest fights, simply add Strike Force to 16 to 20 ounces of water, tea, lemonade, yogurt, even an ice cold beer. Go to StrikeforceEnergy.com, enter discount code BUCK at checkout, and for every packet you buy, we will donate a packet to military members around the globe. StrikeforceEnergy.com, discount code BUCK, because Strikeforce Energy is the fuel for the fight.
1: You are entering the Freedom Hut.
0: The media claims the biggest concern we should all have is the safety of the media. And they, of course, are pointing to Trump supporters after last night's rally in Florida as the reason for this rise in concern we'll talk about what's really going on here and also the latest from the Mueller probe and the possibility of it getting shut down that and more coming up on the Buck Sexton Show.
1: This, this is the Buck Sexton, Sexton, Sexton Show, where the mission, where mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Russia. One small thing. Make. Make no mistake. America, You're a great American again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton now. And Wolf, just to give you a sense as to what's happening right now, you can hear there is a chorus of boos and other chants from this Trump crowd here in Tampa, Florida. They're saying things like CNN sucks, go home, and fake news. Wolf, obviously, all of those things are false. We're <laughs> staying right here. We're going to do our job. No, they're not to all false. Rally to all of our viewers here tonight,
2: Wolf. But I think Washington is so anti-Trump, and the liberal media is so anti-Trump, they don't understand what's happening out there. Let me just give you one example. Sanctuary cities.
0: 84% Wait, let us let, pause. Let's pause nude for a second. Let's pause nude for a second. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Uh, so you had you had uh, Acosta last night there at the rally. Look, I, I I have I have so many thoughts on this. Well, I think it's funny that people are chanting CNN sucks and go home CNN and CNN is fake news, and their response to this is that. Those things are not true. It's like, well, it's really a matter of opinion, dude. Um, but what ended up happening here is that there was a lot of, a lot of focus on this last night. Of the rally, by the way, Trump did a phenomenal job at the rally last night. He he's incredible as a live performer. He is a force of nature. He is unlike any other. Unscripted. People say, oh, but Obama. I'm like, Obama could give a, a compelling left wing Democrat speech with a prompter that he had practiced beforehand on and somebody else writing it for him. But yes, he could deliver that uh, effectively. All right. I'm not going to say, whereas Hillary can't even do that. Ah, here I am. I'm reading on a prompter. It's just horrible. Right? It hurts your ears. You don't want to see it. It's not good. Trump just gets up there and he just lets it rip for an hour. It's It's incredible that this guy does this. And he's he's making all these points, and he's really get to get the crowd that energized. You know, I'll say this: I, I do a, a lot of different kinds of media. There's a different energy when you're in front of a live crowd like that, especially a really big crowd. I don't care if you're used to speaking to millions of people on TV or millions of people on radio. It's a little bit. There's a little. It's a little more intimidating. Isn't the right word, but the energy is different. You got to bring your A game. You know, there's, there's no hiding when everyone's in the room with you. You know, you can't you can't cut to commercial break when everyone's in, in the room with you, or in the in the arena with you, as the case may be. But here's what you get. You know, the, this this martyrdom complex that CNN and, and much of the mainstream media have was on display last night, and you're getting a lot of this in the follow up to it. Uh, and, and I, I want to break this down for you because it is symbolic or really emblematic of what they still don't get. Let me tell you the, the the real situation here, okay? Jim Acosta. By the way, I don't know him really from CNN. I never met him. I just know his work. So I don't know him personally. So none of this is personal. There are some people at CNN that I know personally, and I tend. I I, I avoid uh, unfairly criticizing anyone, but I particularly look. I'll tell you, if I'm friends with somebody, uh, I'll say I'm friends with that person, and I generally won't go after them even professionally, because I feel weird doing that. And I think that's a tough spot for some some people in the commentary business to be in sometimes. But at least I'm, I'm honest with you about it. There's only a few people at CNN that feel that way about it. there's a handful. Uh, I don't know Acosta. I do know that he's become a almost household name for people that watch TV news, if not a household name because of the Trump opposition. He is better known, wealthier. And it's going to be able to, I know this, you don't want to hear this, but write his own ticket after this administration, go wherever he wants to go or get his own show at CNN because of Trump. Now, are we really supposed to feel badly for him? I, I, I'm confused. Oh, it's so hard. They're really just all oh my, you know, it's just this victimology complex that the left has. It stretches beyond identity politics. It stretches beyond, you know, the, the way that they, they pander to different identity groups. Now it's the media has a victimology complex. I mean, the media thinks that they are being victimized by Trump. I keep having to point this out, too. Whenever they say something like, oh, it's authoritarian. Look at how Trump is so authoritarian. I want to say authoritarians have the whole media in their pocket. Authoritarians don't have the entire media against them trying to end them and take down their regime or take down their government. Obama was much scarier for press freedom than Trump was. That's what they don't understand. Obama had the press doing his bidding, had the press asking questions when he when Obama would step out of line, when Obama's Justice Department put a Fox News reporter in a in an espionage indictment as a as a co-conspirator didn't charge him, but put him in the indictment. Yeah, the press corps, they made some noises about it. There's some of them who are like, well, this is troubling. They're calling Trump Hitler. I mean, they're saying that he's running concentration camps at the border. They're saying that he's a he's a fascist. Well, you want to talk fascism? Obama's Justice Department was actually talking about journalists being criminals for doing their jobs. Use the Espionage, Espionage Act more than every other administration combined. And yeah, they covered it, but they covered it as like, well, oh, this raises troubling questions about press freedom. I'm not sure Obama's the best messenger for this press freedom. oh. With Trump, it's he's a fascist, he's a Nazi, he's Hitler. And some of us understand the difference here, folks. People listening to this show understand the difference. But, you know, the, the, the CNN, they, they forget all this stuff now, and we're supposed to buy that, that that Trump is some terrible enemy of the press because he says that, that the press are the enemy of the people. He says that largely, I mean, look, he's he's not joking as in its ha-ha, but he's, he's trolling them a little bit, he's goading them. Oh, and, and Trump gives all kinds of access to the press. He'll sit down for interviews with, you know, Maggie Haberman of The Times and these other people who all hate his guts. he will talk to them. Unlike, let's be very clear about this. Trump has never, unlike Obama, really thought seriously about and taken actions that made people believe that he would prosecute journalists for doing their jobs. Obama, that was a real thing. You know, with Obama, that was something you had to really consider. Because he had the whole press in his pocket. So there wasn't going to be this real rallying around, oh, that's right, Fox News, which was singled out. Singled out in that DOJ indictment under Eric Holder's DOJ. And also singled out by Obama for ridicule and contempt on a regular basis. That's right. Now CNN's getting a little of what they used to, you know, dish out to the other side. Or seeing how the other side had to take it. And they're all, "Where? pull over the ambulance, please. And then there's a there's a bigger issue here too, which is you had these uh, you know these journalists last night who were covering. Say, by the way, there, there's there's security there, they're all on camera. Nobody hit anyone, nobody threatened anyone that I, that were aware of, like threatened to actually harm anybody, you know, physical violence. Nothing happened. That's not the case when we talk about what happens to conservatives and Trump supporters. That's not the case when you look at. I mean, that CNN uh, and, you know, I know Dana pretty well from from working with her at the blaze. Um, you know, I I don't know her really socially, but I know her professionally. And I mean, what what happened to her at that CNN gun rally thing was was an abomination. You know, people were were menacing her as a woman who walked in there and and that audience had been. Has been fed this line by CNN, by the analysts they put on TV, by the so-called anchors, who are really just pundits without the the gall to really fight and stand up for their positions. Right? They always hide behind this little facade. It's cowardly. That's the problem with the CNN approach to this stuff. It's cowardly. If you want to be a pundit, be a pundit. If you want to stand for, if you want to be an activist, if you want to stand for issues, if your reason for getting out of bed every morning is you hate Trump, at least be a man about it. Or be a strong woman about it. Whatever. You know what I mean. At least be honest about it. What CNN is, oh, you know, we're just, I'm just going to sit here and tweet snarky stuff to undermine Trump all day. And I'm just going to do one story after another on Michael Avenatti and Stormy Daniels and Russia, Russia, Russia. Uh, But, but, oh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I'm not not partisan. I don't want to have to defend anything. Oh, don't play, no, back off. Don't be mean to me. It really is cowardly. I mean, they could start to say it's the Cowardly News Network. I wrote this piece for the Hiller in the week. I, you know, I, it does not make me popular among the swamp set. I'm like, this notion that journalists are under threat in the era of Trump is just garbage. It's preposterous. They were so desperate to make that terrible shooting in Baltimore about Trump. But that guy was a deranged maniac who had been coming after them for years before Trump was even in office. And nothing to do with anything. And that... And one other incident, which was, if some of you remember, I forget exactly what it was. The guy felt like he had been passed over. It was essentially a workplace. It was workplace violence, but the guy televised it. It was a journalist, I forget, in North or South Carolina, I think. Um, that was a few years ago. Those are the only incidents of more than one person being harmed doing journalism in this country in the last 30 years. A total of 11 journalists have been killed in the United States for doing their jobs since 1992 doing their jobs for any reason by the way so that you know this includes writing stories about somebody they don't like it includes being in a dangerous neighborhood 11 journalists have been killed in this country now i wish the number were zero but let's not all sit around and and do this woe is me journalists in america are under threat you know who was under threat and this is why i want to spend some real time digging into this because I, i think that i think this is i think this is important i think it matters because the other side doesn't get that we're not giving in on this one. We're not playing their game anymore. You know who was under threat under the Obama administration? Cops. And you could say, oh, Buck, but no, that's not that's not fair. You know, well, no, the Black Lives Matter movement, which President Obama was supportive of, which his Department of Justice was supportive of, uh, which the media was fanning the flames of all the time, and I went to those rallies to cover them as a journalist. I saw what was going on there. Or to cover them as a pundit, whatever. I heard the chance. You know, I remember pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. You know, I I remember what do we want dead cops? When do we want it now? I, I remember all that. And the media was all, oh, you know, man, racism's real, so you know, we can't really we can't really call this out. And police officers were murdered because of that rhetoric. That led there was a direct connection between a widespread narrative that the media really created with the help of activists and the Obama administration and the White House. Obama was, very, you know, if I had a son, he, w- he would have looked like Trayvon. You know, Obama did not hold back. You know, the whole Mike Brown thing and everything else, there was a lot of support given for this idea that cops are racist who are hunting down black men for sport. That was what Black Lives Matter protesters were saying, and I know because I heard them say it. So I've been through this. That's not what they were. No, that is what they were saying. That is what they were saying. And police officers were murdered because of that. And CNN was the worst offender in giving that narrative, giving that storyline oxygen, giving it more room to burn, throwing gasoline on the fire. They were doing all of that. And now they want to lecture us about creating a a hostile environment. Now, Now they want to tell us, oh, my God, the protesters, you know, there, there's more on this folks I, but I, i've i really had enough of this i, I don't want to hear any more of the journalists these these you know cosseted overpaid wimpy milk toast stealth liberals that go on tv and get all all, all this acclaim and, and yeah you know people say don't talk about georgetown cocktail parties it's such a cliche okay fine i'll talk about colorama cocktail parties right i mean the fancy day di- i'll talk about what goes on in Martha's Vineyard in Nantucket and the Upper West Side, and that's actually where all these journalists live. And they're being treated as heroes among their friends. Their paychecks are only getting bigger, even though their audience is getting smaller at CNN. But they know they'll be taken care of. They're not taking any risks. Risks. Please. Everybody who's watching was like, oh, thank you for standing up for truth against Trump the tyrant. Oh, my gosh, you're so brave. Jim Acosta. And, you know, Acosta's just... He just this is this is theater now, right? We all know that he, but others do it too. You know, you can't say CNN sucks. Why not? Why not? I remember covering Occupy Wall Street, as I said. And if you had a Fox News, if you had a Fox News uh, signed microphone on up, if you had signage that said Fox News up, people would people would get up in your face and they threaten you, they'd yell at you, and nobody was oh, 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 Fox News, it's so sad. And that's one network, the only network the only network that represents the other 50 percent of the country that you think could have maybe more than one network i know some of you're going to say like newsmax or one america but if you look at the ratings folks there's one network and it's fox news so i'm not done with this because this got this this got further coverage today in the white house press conference i mean we we really should we should really air this out we should really dive into this a bit i'll talk to you more about policy and immigration and all that other stuff later on on the show i this media fight right now is the center of, hey, we'll also talk about the Mueller probe. This Manafort. The Manafort trial, this is like a its a glorified tax evasion case. That's all it is. I've got some thoughts on that I'll share with you, too. 844-900-2825. 844-900-BUCK. As you can tell, I'm a little fired up today, team. But I want to hear from you. Send me a, or not send me, call me, uh, or send me a tweet if you want, at Buck Sexton. I'll be right back.
2: But I think Washington is so anti-Trump, and the liberal media is so anti-Trump, they don't understand what's happening out there. Let me just give you one example. Sanctuary cities, 84% of the American people believe sanctuary cities increase crime. 84%. Mm -hmm. Now, every Democrat in the Senate co-sponsored Senator Feinstein's open border bill. There's no state in the country where more than 20% of the people favor open borders. Mm -hmm. So the the Democrats are talking themselves out on these radical left agendas, uh, which in The Washington Post, The New York Times, and CBS News all sounds terrific. But I think when you get down to September and October, we're going to discover that there's a red wave, not a blue wave, and that people are going to repudiate the the kind of radical extremism that we're seeing uh, emerge in the Democratic Party.
0: There is this extremism. I mean, Newt's been... Newt's been, been in, in you know when Newt's in the sweet spot, he's pretty good, and uh, he's he's been making a lot of sense these days well, for a while now. you know this this notion of sanctuary cities I talked to you about it yesterday, there is really no good reason for this. Uh, there's nothing about sanctuary cities that respects the rule of law there's nothing it's just pandering from Democrats to constituencies that are in the country illegally this this is speaking of collusion. Sanctuary cities are how the Democrats collude against the rule of law. That's what's going on, and I think people need to know that. And, and that story I told you yesterday, I really want more people to understand that, that because of these sanctuary policies, the Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, criminal investigators who are handling drug trafficking, uh, uh, child sexual exploitation, human smuggling, you know, crime, crime, really important issues of criminal justice and and keeping communities safe. They don't get cooperation from local law enforcement. That was told me by Obama's acting ICE director. Okay, so this is not, I'm not looking at this on some blog somewhere. You know, this guy told me to my face. And somebody who was generally, you know, sympathetic at least to what Obama was trying to do on a lot of other immigration areas. But on this one, he's just like, that's not a good idea. Anyway, I just, you know, this is where we, as we're getting closer to midterms, I just hope the American people remember that, Abolish ICE was for about a month a rallying cry of the Democrat Party until they realized, oh my gosh, that's crazy. We probably we can't fool centrists and independents into voting for us if we're calling for abolishing ICE for doing their job. Uh, but I, I do want to get back to what happened at the White House today in response to CNN's ambulance session. Uh, this is going to be good. Sarah Huckabee Sanders. She hit a home run today in response. So we'll get to that.
1: He's back with you now, because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops.
0: Is the White House willing to say right now, in view of what happened with one of our TV colleagues last night, that it is wrong for his most vocal supporters to be menacing toward journalists doing their jobs in a situation like that or in any situation? Sorry, Sarah, Sarah nobody was being I violent should. last night. They were trying to prevent a broadcaster from getting his broadcast out and
3: yelling that his network sucks. Is that right or wrong? Uh, I, I'm so, I'm sorry. What was the first part of your question? I, I said
0: no one was being violent last night in terms of, of hitting anybody, and no broadcaster was broadcasting state secrets. They were trying to do stand-ups at a public rally, and you had people trying to yell over them, preventing them from doing their jobs, and yelling that their network sucks on live TV. Look, Does while the White House su- support that or not? They, they really want to see if they can get uh, on the record the White House calling out Trump supporters for saying that CNN sucks. That, that, that seemed to be a, quite, quite a focus today for a few minutes there at the White House uh, press conference. Uh, by the way, I'm a believer in get, get, rid of the tele, get rid of the cameras in the White House press conference. You know how this goes, by the way, folks, speaking of the swamp and things that you learn when you're down here? You know how they assign seating, which is very, very hierarchical. In the White House briefing room, the White House Correspondents Association, you know, the people who are in charge of the White House Correspondents Dinner, those uh, those elitist throne shiners, they're the ones that decide who gets to sit where in that room and. They're very involved in all this. And, and as I've said to you before, you know, I think the White House correspondence Dinner is just the whole thing is icky. I went many years ago, really my first year in media. I didn't know any better. I was like, yeah, I'll go. I was invited. I'll go. Uh, it's it's first of all, it sucks. It's not fun. And you're around a lot of people who I don't really want to hang around. And it's really slow and boring and the food is bad. So what's the point? I went to a, a couple of parties thrown by some other media entities that were after parties. Those were fun i mean did Buck Gangnam style can neither confirm nor deny, yeah, gangnam style that was awesome, so where was I on this that'll give you a sense of how many years ago it was too there was there was gangnam style folks, I think there was actually a video i don 't know somebody somebody at BuzzFeed may or may not have gangnam style buck video uh so but back to the the guy saying that, oh no, look how they're so mean to them uh. Well, you know what? I, I want to give you my analysis. But first, here's here's Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who's they're, they're trying to box her into a corner. And I think she's at the she's kind of at the screw it part of this whole thing where she's like, you know what? If you're just going to take cheap shots at the president all the time, we're going to give it as much as we get. And uh, here here's how she responded to this line of questioning. Play 16, please.
3: The president condemns and denounces any group that would uh, incite violence against another individual um, and certainly doesn't support uh, groups that would promote that type of behavior. We've we've been clear about that a number of times uh, since the beginning of the administration. On the second part of your question, um, the president, as I just said, does not support uh, violence against anyone and or anything. And we've been very clear um, every single time we've been asked about that. When it comes to the media, the president does think that the media holds a responsibility. Uh, We fully support a free press, but there also comes a high level of responsibility with that. The media routinely reports on classified information and government secrets that put lives in danger and risk valuable national security tools. This has happened both in our administration and in past administrations. One of the worst cases was the reporting on the U.S. ability to To listen to osama bin laden's satellite phone in the late 90s because of that reporting he stopped using that phone and the country lost valuable intelligence unfortunately it's now standard to abandon common sense ethical practices this is a two-way street we certainly support a free press we certainly condemn violence against anybody but we also ask that people act responsibly uh, and report um, accurately and fairly
0: yeah this this didn't all just start today or last night at the at the florida rally you know, I, I'm sorry to have to keep repeating this, because it's, I, I know it's, a, it's one of these events that we all wish we could kind of forget, but which political party and under which administration w- was there a mass assassination attempt of congressmen against, right? Which political party almost lost a bunch of its congressmen to a mass assassination and did you know, did get sh- some of our people did get shot, right? Some congressmen did get shot. But w- where was that? Oh, that's right. It was Republicans in the Freedom Caucus. And who shot them? A Bernie bro, a Democrat. While Trump's president. So the only act of truly heinous political violence at that level against elected officials that has occurred while Trump has been in office has been against Republicans. And yet we have to sit around and get lectured. By CNN and their ilk, about how the president encouraged violence. The president encouraged violence. Here, here, here's a little test, folks. Find me a news story of somebody who got punched in the face, had a drink poured on them, got slapped around uh, because they had a Obama Biden T-shirt on for all eight years of Obama in office. Maybe you'll find it. I mean, but you're going to have to look. And, and I don't know if you'll find it. Good luck. You probably won't find that. Now, if I ask you, if I ask you to find an incident of a Trump supporter getting hit that way, literally hit, getting, getting assaulted, you'd be like, well, Buck, w- which week? You, you want last week or, or you want the week before that? Or, or you want the week before that? You know, this happens. It happens to our side. Okay, I'm the one who has to walk around this city. And when people see me, if they recognize me from what I do, which, by the way, you know, I do conservative stuff. So I'm not saying that happens a lot. But if it does happen or if I see a member of Team Buck, that's always exciting. But I have to think to myself, okay, well, am I going to have a problem here? Because what the mainstream media has been feeding its audience since Trump won is a steady diet of they don't care about murdered children, which is. Horrifically ironic because, of course, they're the pro-abortion party. But they're saying, you know, children that get killed in mass shootings, Republicans don't care about it. That was the whole tone and tenor of that that hate fest that they said was a town hall. I mean, CNN should be ashamed of itself for that town hall. Ashamed. You'll notice, by the way, all these anchors that talk so tough on CNN. When was the last time you saw one of them go into a, an unfriendly political environment and try to defend their reporting? They don't do it. Like cowards, they snark on twitter and then they go on their 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 little privileged perches and they, they don't i by the way i've invited cnn anchors on this show lots of time never come on the show don't think that i won't i mean don't think that i don't i just stopped because i kept getting told oh corporate won't allow it corporate won't allow that's it. well, because they're cowards do they, do they really want to have this debate he, here's how the debate with a cnn anchor would go on this network with me who who spent real time there and knows a lot of people on the different shows, knows their producers, knows some of what these guys and gals are really like, by the way, which also they don't like. You know, I, I, I've gotten a little bit of a peek under the hood and uh, it's not good. Uh, I would start with, is CNN, is CNN a partisan network? Does CNN have a point of view? Is CNN a Democrat-aligned news organization? They would all say no. So they start from the premise of, uh, they, they start from a lie. And then the conversation would just devolve. But that's, they're still, you know, I mean, if you had MSNBC on, they would say, yeah, we're, you know, no, we're journalists and we're trying to print the facts. But, you know, yeah, we have, we're, we're progressive. Or, you know, we're, I, I think they would say that, maybe not. And maybe they're just as delusional and I just don't know them as well because I know CNN stuff better. But that rally they had, or the, not rally, uh, whatever, the town hall, where Dana Lash showed up, and Marco Rubio, and probably Marco Rubio—I don't know what he was doing there. I don't know why he thought that was a good idea. Marco Rubio, I got to tell you, really disappointing. You know, I, I think there was some raw—there ta- was obviously some raw talent there. The guy got elected U.S. senator. He's self-made. I mean, I, I still have respect for him. I'm not, but in the era of Trump, just—you know—I I don't need to hear the little Model UN speech about how he knows—he uh, knows some things. He's been briefed on about this or that. National security issue. Like, let's actually get on board and get some get some wins on the board for the Republican Party here at home. And I think on that issue, he has been more than lacking. Uh, so, I'm I am just dis- I'm disappointed in little, little Marco. Uh, that's an aside, but just want to put that out there. But CNN had that, and then they also allowed one of the survivors of uh, the Parkland shooting. To go on TV and and say unchallenged that people that don't agree with his myriad gun control ideas, you know, we got to listen to an eighteen year eighteen year old now explain to us all gun control. His myriad gun control ideas uh, don't care about dead children and have blood on their hands. That's what was being said with anchors just nodding enthusiastically. I mean, the, Rachel Maddow was was fangirling when. The uh, Parkland kids came I And mean, I, I remember we played the audience. Go, oh, my gosh, I'm so, you know, this is so amazing. You know, it was, of course, all just theater for her audience to because they were the, the political tool of the left for the moment. But then they weaponized that tool by having kids, one kid in particular, David Hogg, go on TV and go after people and go after their careers, go after their sponsors, really try to take them down, really try to hurt people, get people fired for disagreeing with them on policy and call them, heartless you know heartless people with with blood on their hands who don't care about dead children and, and and now cnn wants to lecture us all on discourse and civility do you think that they've spent a lot of time uh, at at cnn or any of these other networks any of the non-fox networks focused on what really goes on on campus now when a when a college uh invites a conservative speaker they don't want to talk about that they don't want to talk about that issue You think that they really cover how much security is needed for some of these speakers? Of course not. And, I mean, I just say this to you, and I was saying it before about Obama-Biden. You could walk around any city in America for all eight years of Obama's presidency with an Obama-Biden T-shirt on, and you were either going to be 100% safe or 100% get a high-five from other leftists. You walk around, I I will tell you this, I would not be comfortable And I know I look young, but, you know, six feet tall, 200 pounds. I would not be comfortable walking around Washington, D.C. Wearing a MAGA hat for, let's say, a week. When I say not be comfortable, I don't mean, I mean that I know that I'd be looking for problems. I know that somebody would say something, they'd start something with me. And also depends on what part of the city we're talking about, too. So that is reality. Jim Acosta with cops everywhere on TV with people yelling, you suck. Well, That's also reality, but th- that's not a threat. Nothing bad is going to happen to him. Nothing bad is going to happen to CNN. It's th- they're going to continue to be you know, an overpaid legacy media institution that has all kinds of access and gets its way. All right. And th- this is just complete and utter solipsism. They're obsessed with themselves. They're dishonest in how they present things. And for the very people who have done the most in this country to coarsen the political discourse and make it seem acceptable, to really debase your political opponents, to drag them on Twitter, to make them hated, to make them untouchable, to make them less than dirt in the eyes of fellow Democrats, right? To just take conservatives and Republicans and trash their character, ruin their lives, get them boycotted, all that stuff. For those people, not to play the oh, wait, can't we all just be nice to each other? I just I don't want I won't have it, I won't have it, and they won't even go out and, and make this case publicly. They'll just go on friendly media outlets where people go, oh, you're right. Thank you for thank you for holding the administration to account. Thank you for speaking truth to power. Just punks, really, just punks. And and the American people are onto the game. I I hope that you know, look, I hope CNN changes. It wasn't as crazy. Five years ago. It really wasn't. It's gone into some other gear. It's some other level of wacko. 844 844-900 buck We have much more show. I'd uh, love to hear from you. Give me a ring. We'll be right back. All right, we got lines lit here in the Freedom Hunt. Let's take some calls. Herb in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Hey, Herb.
4: Hey,
0: hey Herb. Hey, Buck. How you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for calling in. What's up?
4: up? Shield tie. Hey, listen. Uh, first of all, let me assure you that you could come to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania any day of the week. And uh, as an analyst, uh, I, I believe you'll appreciate this. You could bring your bright red MAGA hat in any day of the week, and you could disappear in the crowd.
0: Well, that sounds nice. i got to go hang out in Harrisburg more.
4: Absolutely. Hey, listen, um, I can't believe these uh, crybaby journalists are actually whining about, please make them stop. You know, you can't send that reporter over to a war zone for fear that they might, you know, holler, hey, stop shooting so I can do my live shot. I mean, come on. If you can't take controversy you ought not be there to try to report on it
0: yeah and i would just point out not a single journalist not a single journalist has been uh physically assaulted at a trump rally that i am aware of not one there you go at all the rallies so i mean what else? you know I, i'm just presenting the facts and how many rallies have there been how many journalists have been at those rallies you know they, they tried this crap with the tea party too the tea party got together hundreds of thousands of americans at rallies how many how many tea party assaults happened i mean the worst thing that ever happened at a tea party is you know somebody put something in the recycling that they meant to put in the trash i mean that's it and and yet they oh, the acted only- like the tea party was some sort of a ass- you know some sort of mob assault on american democracy it's just crazy man
4: the only the only assaults i ever heard reported at a tea party rally were Tea Party attendees getting assaulted. That's by- correct.
0: I was going to say that. There were some union goons that assaulted some Tea Party people. I remember that happened, too. Shields, hi, Herb. Thanks for calling in from Harrisburg. Rachel, we got about a minute. Rachel from California. What's on your mind?
3: Hi. So um, I keep hearing how you talk about the media and how they just don't really have brains in the sense that they're just lunatics, really. But how much do you think that, like, CNN's reporting is affecting the American people? Like... Do you think that people actually listen to that and agree with them and then do something about it? Because I know like college Do you have CNN like, on
0: in the background because I hear a baby crying. So that would make sense. Does the baby hear Acosta's voice? I would cry, too. But I'm sorry. You're, you're asking a serious question. And, and I'll give you a serious answer. Um, I, I think that CNN is poisoning the discourse and is poisoning dialogue. Uh, but I think that also their audience is dwindling I mean, it's down about 20 or 25 percent year to year, which in TV terms is big. And, you know, they've got less than a million people watching, which when you compare it to Fox, uh, you know, on on a good night, Fox and some of its lineup will have three or four million people. I mean, Sean Hannity will have four million people watch a show. So it's pretty amazing. Right. Uh, But, yeah, I do think, Rachel, uh, that that CNN is making things worse. Shields high. Sorry for uh, for jumping in there quickly. Uh, Team, we got a big second hour. We got to talk about the Mueller probe and more. There was a time, my friends, when I would start every day drinking that commie coffee. Whatever was offered to me by some leftist cooperative, by a bunch of guys that spend way too much time waxing their mustaches and talking about anarchy. You know what I drink now? Black Rifle Coffee. Step into the light. Drink that amazing aroma of freedom from Black Rifle Coffee. I actually have Black Rifle in my hand right now. It is delicious. It is small-batch roast to order coffee. You will love it. You should also have it delivered to you. You can join the coffee club. That's what I'm in. And you get the K-Cup coffee rounds or you can get a ground or a whole bean delivered to you every month. The company's run by a bunch of awesome veterans. These are your kind of people. Support their business and support veterans who are making sure that they support patriotism and freedom and some delicious coffee too. Visit BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Buck. Receive 15% off your order. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Buck for 15% off. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Buck. This is the coffee all of you should be drinking. Buck Sexton.
1: Mission. Decoding the news. And disseminating information.
0: With actionable intelligence.
1: One small thing. Make no mistake. America. Ready. You're a great American again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton.
2: It is Buck Sexton.
0: Now. Well, they're treating it like it's the OJ trial in terms of uh, its importance right now. I mean, this is there's so much focus on this whole Manafort situation. And, and I, I think this this should be a snooze fest, folks. Right. This should be a nothing burger with cheese, perhaps Gruyere. Producer Mike, what is the best cheese for a burger? We did not coordinate this beforehand. No, no, this is forget all about all the calls. I know people want to talk to you, but this is an important question. We'll get to the calls in a moment. Mike, do you have... Producer Mike, do you want to jump in on this one? What is the best cheese for your burgers? It's an important question. The folks need to know. The yeah. answer is... <laughs> I go with American. It's a safe choice with this audience. No, I see what you did there. No, well, I, right. I I will eat any cheese, anytime, anywhere. Um, Me too. I'll go American. Um, also, I'm a big fan of... Um, yeah and that's it's, that's a good american what are you a jarlsberg guy you oh, i love jarlsberg yeah there you go jarlsberg said I, I was gonna say I, I think the answer is cheddar right. i don't care that it's i think technically british i think cheddar is good wisconsin hey wisconsin cheddar there you go and we didn't get john in on this one but i have a feeling he's a blue cheese crumble guy you know he's he secretly he's got some hipster in there he likes a little blue cheese crumble from you know the raw milk commune that's that's the that's the way to get the blue cheese going. Anyway, uh, important questions that we have to answer sometimes here on the show. I just thought of that now. Manafort, though. He, whatever. He likes the most expensive cheese. I did have to note that yesterday it came out that he bought a, a $15,000 ostrich jacket. And that's one of the things in this Manafort trial that they're all focused in on. This judge, T.S. Ellis the third, who doesn't suffer fools lightly he had to tell them to to stop with just the uh, the 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 wealth shaming or really the bling shaming that's been going on in this trial but i i will say an ostrich coat that's really something that's really you know you really need your ostrich coat as you're driving around in your tesla uh, on your way to your holistic life coach so he spent fifteen thousand dollars on that and, and the judge today in this trial had to tell the prosecutors to lay off this whole thing but you know You can tell the interest in the Manafort case. This is folks. This is very straightforward. The Farrah thing is just an add on because that's essentially how Mueller justifies that this falls under his purview in some way. Right. The Foreign Agent Registration Act violation, which people don't go to prison for. Usually they just say, all right, you got to register. I mean, it's kind of a, you know, uh, you get a mulligan on this one. Usually it's not that big a deal. But they throw that in there because it at least explains why this is being even looked at by Manafort but then when you when you go a little a little further into this you, you see that okay, so this guy did all this consulting, and by the way how many people even knew that uh, until Trump I think Trump tweeted this out today, Manafort had worked for a lot of previous administrations uh, Manafort had you know spent time by the way, do we have the CNN sucks chant, John? I just want to have that handy just in case. Uh, but we have to listen to it. Make sure there's no there's no potty mouth stuff there that people are yelling about how CNN, One is, CNN sucks. One CNN 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 Oh man, music to my ears. I, I think I'm gonna, you know, if we were still in an era of of ringtones, I think I'd have to make that my ringtone. <laughs> That'd be great. Every time I get a phone call, CNN sucks. Uh, good times. Good times. I think it'd be so, perfect for your new show intro. We should we should probably put it in there. let me think about that. Uh, that that that's a bold that's a bold move, producer Mike, to open the show. <laughs> it sucks. I don't think they're gonna have me over there again anytime soon for uh, for a segment. I think You I weren't think going anyway. I, yeah. I will say the last time the last time I was over there, a very, very prominent CNN executive looked at me like, what and this was gosh, I don't even know. This is over a year ago. What are you doing here? I was like, Whoa, what is that? I was invited. What do you mean, what am I doing here? You guys asked me to come on this thing. This is before Trump. But that was before Trump won. So whole different world now. Whole different world. But the Manafort trial, the guy is, you know, hiding money offshore. Allegedly, right? It hasn't been proven yet, but it doesn't look good for him. He's hiding money offshore, and, you know, he's, he's using it to, uh, he's using that untaxed money to pay for things to support his lifestyle here. It's a It's a pretty straightforward tax fraud case. And they're going to really, uh, they're going to really nail them. Right? And this is what they're going. By the way, he, here's what Trump tweeted out. Um, you know, Trump tweeted out that uh, Paul Manafort, this was earlier today, Paul Manafort worked for Ronald Reagan, Bob Dole, and many other highly prominent and respected political leaders. He worked for me for a very short time. Why didn't government tell me that he was under investigation? These old charges have nothing to do with collusion, a hoax. It's true. The fascination, folks, with Manafort is they've they've created this narrative in people's minds that somehow there's something Manafort, Russia, Putin, Facebook bot related that any day now is going to come out. I'm telling you that's not going to happen. You already know that's not going to happen, but I'm just reaffirming no way. No way. But this is really an extension of Trump derangement syndrome, and in fact, not not to get all all weepy and, and Acosta like here, but I think it's really unseemly to see so many people reacting with glee to the fact that a, 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 an American for the crime of hiding taxes from the for hi- hiding money from the government. He's going to spend the rest of his... He's probably going to die in prison now. He's going to spend the rest of his life in prison if he's convicted on all this. You know, he's got a family. You know, Manafort probably, probably has a dog, probably loves his dog. He's got a family, loves his family. I mean, you know, he's a, he's a person. And they're just... They want this guy crushed. And it really reminds me of what happened with Scooter Libby in that sense. They hated Scooter Libby. Oh, my God. They're calling him a traitor and all this terrible stuff. And it was just... He became the target of the rage that had built up against the Bush administration, and Manafort is now a target of the anti-Trump rage. And I'm not saying Manafort, you know, with Libby, they just they just did him dirty. That's a whole different thing. But with with uh, Manafort, okay, so the guy cheated on his taxes, allegedly. I mean, it looks, looks like he probably did. But that's what they're saying, he cheated on his taxes. You know, if I told you that somebody cheated on their taxes and you were sitting down and we are all having lunch and he was sitting there with us, would you get up and leave? No, you probably say, "Okay, know, that sucks." You know, you might you might say that sucks. You got caught, but you'd probably say, "All right, you know, you pay your debt to society." You know, okay. It doesn't make you like a terrible person. It's a crime. You gotta you gotta answer for it. Fine, but not that big a deal in the grand scheme of things. In like the cosmic existential, why are we here? You know, the the millions of dollars that Manafort didn't pay to the to the U.S. Treasury makes zero difference to anyone, folks. I'm not justifying it. I'm not saying you don't go to prison for it, but I'm just saying it really doesn't, you know. There, the victim here is the United States Treasury, and if you were to aggregate this out or not, or disaggregate this, I mean, you'd say that, you know, Paul Manafort probably stole the equivalent of .000001 pennies from you or something. So, don't you know, he's going to pay his debt to society, but it looks like he's going to go to prison for a very, very long time. I just find it unseemly and unnerving that people are celebrating this so much. Like, yeah, we got him. All right, so he's a dirty tax cheat. That really make does this really make people feel better about themselves at night that this guy got nailed because he was foolish enough? And I've seen this with other people that got you know they got close. It's kind of the Icarus effect, right? Those of you who are Greek mythology fans, remember Icarus built the wings, got too close to the sun, melted the wax on the wings, fell to the sea. We should do more Greek mythology on the show, man. That's one thing we haven't worked in in a while. But I've got my hands full now that I've committed to doing. Uh, the Siege of Malta official shields Shields High podcast. So, that and, and this month I've committed to it. Buck cannot tell a lie. Once he commits, he has to do it. I just don't think this Manafort thing is is nearly as interesting as so many of my my media colleagues do. But that's because they view this as Manafort is getting the, you know the the two minutes hate from the mainstream media about Trump. He's become the vessel for the scapegoat for anti-Trumpism and the fact that they've gone through everything. I mean, they raided his apartment, you know, the er early raid in the morning. They got they used a key. They don't even know how they got the key. I think that came up today. Uh, You know, the fact they did all this stuff, they went after him so hard and they still haven't found any Russia collusion. I think that tells you what you really need to know here. I think that tells you that there's clearly no Russia collusion to speak of. I don't have time to get into the collusion is, uh, is or is not a crime thing today because we did that yesterday, and, and I'm, I'm noticing that there's this shift. Just mark my words on this. They're now saying, well, conspiracy is a crime, and they're going to try to play this game of collusion is a political offense and conspiracy is the criminal offense, and they're, they're moving the goalposts. So when they don't get conspiracy charges, they're going to say, well, collusion is a political charge, and that's what we've proven. Not in a court of law, but in the court of public opinion. As can only be shown in a midterm election that they will say is a referendum on Trump and that if they win the House, they will then impeach him, right? That's the whole playbook. I just took you through the Democrats' playbook going into this midterm election. And that's what I really see happening here. Uh, But, you know, one thing that's come up a lot is the FBI's disparate treatment of threats to the Trump campaign versus threats to other campaigns. Why didn't they, as Trump pointed out, they didn't let him know that they were going after his campaign. Why is that the case? Uh, But in other cases, they have. The FBI did step in, notably with Hillary Clinton. We've actually got John Solomon, who's my colleague here at The Hill, who's got a piece up on this. We're going to discuss it with him now, burning up the charts. Everyone's reading this one saying, whoa, what's going on here? Why does Hillary get protected by the FBI when it comes to any Russian agent of influence? But agents of influence were encouraged, almost, it seems, by the FBI to penetrate Trump's campaign. We will get into that and uh, much more coming up, team. So stay with me. I don't know about you, but I end up checking way too many times to see, is my door locked? Uh, did I leave the gas on? Uh, did, did, did I leave a window open? You know, I, I'm I'm getting a little paranoid about that stuff. But you know what's better than being paranoid, folks? Having a home security system that you know you can trust, that you can check in on while you're away. You don't have to call a neighbor and say, can you look and see if I'm broke? No, 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 no. You can download the Simply Safe app and you can monitor all the different systems in your home via the app. I have the app on my phone. I have the Simply Safe security system at home. This is all you're going to need. Simply Safe protects over 2 million people. And that's by the way why it's become a billion dollar company, all right? Order your Simply Safe system now. My listeners get free shipping and free returns. Visit simplysafe.com/buck that's simplysafe.com slash buck to protect your home today with simply safe. Simply safe, S-I-M-P-L-I, safe.com slash buck. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. So, you know, we have a a piece here by John Solomon, who runs digital at the Hill. He's also a well-known investigative journalist. You see him a lot on Hannity show on Fox News. He's actually with me in studio. The piece is the real Maria Butina scandal. FBI could have prevented it. John, thanks so much for joining. Glad to be here. All right. So, John, tell us what happened here. We've got a tale of two Russian uh, Russian agents as you start out here. Yeah, that's exactly right. So
5: when people look and say, has there been disparate treatment in the FBI, bias, or just plain different approaches, I think this is one that's going to stand out to people. In 2011, there was a a Russian spy ring uh, led by a woman named Anna Chapman. And uh, as soon as she activated, she was a sleeper cell, and as soon as she activated, and one of her agents, uh, Cynthia Murphy, was her American name, uh, went to try to get to, towards Hillary Clinton and get some political connections, a donor, Alan Patrickoff close to Hillary Clinton. Uh, the FBI rolled up the whole ring. They took no chances. They didn't want any compromising of U.S. officials. So that's that's the, that was the gold standard of how the FBI dealt with Russian spies or Russian influence agents. Now let's fast forward to uh, two weeks ago when the FBI suddenly arrested a woman named Maria Bettina. What I report in this column is that the FBI knew since 2015 and maybe even earlier – that she was a a Russian agent of influence, that she was trying to make inroads with conservative politicians, that she was having access to people who had security clearances, governors, members of Congress, former national security advisors, former ambassadors. And yet, unlike the Anna Chapman scenario, when they were going after conservatives, the Russians weren't rolled up. Maria Bettina had free access for basically four years uh, uh, to, to make influence and, and uh, access the conservative network of money donors, big big presidential candidates, even President Trump, and they didn't roll her up. And people are asking the question, well, why do you roll up one when they get close to Hillary Clinton, and you don't roll up the other one when they get close to conservatives? And uh, the FBI doesn't have a good answer for
0: that. Yeah, it seems to echo what Trump has said about how if there were problems with the Russians trying to penetrate his campaign, why was he, as a presidential contender, why wasn't his campaign informed of it it seems like there's a double standard here John for what constitutes an actionable national security threat versus what the bureau decides to let slide or, or let play out
5: well I say in here that one of the interesting things that this these two cases happened under two separate FBI directors Bob Muller uh, rolled up the anna Chapman ring and Bob Muller was a product of post 9/11 he was the first FBI director after 9/11 and he preached that he was going to change the FBI right he was going to make sure that on counterterrorism and counterintelligence, they stopped worrying about prosecutions and they worried about preemption and prevention. You probably remember some of this uh, when you were at the CIA, bucket that the, the FBI was trying to transform itself. James Comey comes in, and I think he brings back to the FBI the old pre-9-11 sentiment of prosecution is the way we go. We get headlines. We get glory. We can pat ourselves on the black. And the difference is that uh, uh, Bob Mueller's team rolled up an agent as soon as they posed a threat to Hillary Clinton And Maria Bettina is left to just run wild in America for four years. In fact, the government gives her a student visa after the evidence is gathered. The FBI sits on her for 18 months and watch what she does in in secret surveillance. Uh, They allow the embassy in Moscow to take two congressmen to meet her in in St. Petersburg, even though they have all of this open source intelligence of what she's doing. I think if you're Donald Trump and a conservative, you're going to feel disserved when you compare it to the way Hillary Clinton's team got treated. And that, that's a real question. Then the question becomes, why? Is it incompetence, a change of philosophy? Or was somebody in the FBI having a bias and hoping he could develop a case that one day would embarrass the Republicans? We don't know the answer.
0: Why, you know, speaking of of the why here, why is the Butina case not under the Mueller umbrella? People have paying yeah. attention and noticed that.
5: Yep, absolutely. I, I think even Maria Butina's lawyers are one that allowed in court. Uh, I think uh, that is a good question, which is if Bob Mueller's... Uh, uh, investigating collusion in Russia, efforts to influence the election. This is a woman that in 2016 had access to the president, his son, and numerous, now there's anything alleged wrong by them, but numerous political leaders, numerous presidential candidates, Santorum and Governor Walker. Uh, and yet uh, through all that, there's no warning And then afterwards, it doesn't appear that the guy who's supposed to be looking at Russian election interference thinks it's a big deal, so he kicks it or allows it to go to the Washington U.S. Attorney's Office. There's two theories of thought in people I've talked to. One is, he doesn't think she was a big deal, that this was sort of a low-level influence peddling scheme. Or two, he sees some fault in the FBI that he used to preach preemption to, and uh, now they let this one go all the way through until they can make a great prosecution case, and he just doesn't want to be near it. But it's pretty clear, at least at this point, Bob Mahler wants nothing to do with this case.
0: The piece is up on Hill.TV, so folks can read it there. The real Maria Bettina scandal, FBI could have prevented it. Also, I managed to get in a question about this to Devin Nunes, which we have linked into the piece so you can see to give you a little additional context. John, before we let you go, uh, what do you make of the referral to the Southern District of New York that Mueller's team made about some lawyers, but not just lawyers. The reporting uh-huh, on this yeah. seemed a little sketchy. uh One had been a counsel to Obama in the White House. Right. Uh, these are very prominent, Craig Craig, very connected, right? Yeah, very connected Democrat lawyers. Yep. What's Tony going Podesta, on, Tony Tom's Podesta? Tony uh, yep. Podesta, you know, and there's a possible Foreign Agent Registration Act violation ati- yep. uh, tied to this. What's going on there? I think that
5: uh, uh, special counsel Mueller is trying to keep his investigation as narrow as possible. It's not going to be a kitchen sink. He is signaling it's not going to be a kitchen sink. He kicks Maria Bettina, right? He kicks, uh, Michael Cohen to the New York district, the Southern District of New York, even though clearly Cohen might have some relevant information. He kicks these other lawyers who were working in concert with or had something to do with Ukraine at the same time as Paul Manafort. So he's clearly signaling, listen, I got a very narrow mandate and I'm sticking to it. I'm not going to get poked for expanding my mandate. I'm not going to be Janet Reno and Ken Starr or Lawrence Walsh in the Reagan years. Uh, this, I'm going to get my job done as quickly and get out of Dodge as quickly as I can. That's the, what my reporting indicates from inside his shop. And, uh, and so anything that's ancillary that doesn't directly relate to his question, uh, you can see. And today there's another development, right? The, the, the president's lawyer's got information about exactly what Bob Mueller wants to ask about. It's not about collusion. It's about obstruction. They only want to ask about the firing of James Comey, it appears. That gives us a lot of guidance that Bob Mueller is narrowing down and maybe even winding down where he's at.
0: Hill.tv, everybody, check it out. The Real Maria Bettina Scandal. FBI Could Have Prevented It. John Solomon is the author. John, thank you so much for joining the Great studio. Great to be with you, Buck. Team, we'll be right back.
1: He's holding the line for America.
2: Buck Sexton is back. And we're not going to be reduced to their vision of America. We're not going to be reduced to their selfishness and their isolation and their division. That is not who we are. We're not going backwards. We're going to go forward. We're going to stand and we're going to rise and we're going to resist this administration. We will not be diminished. We will not be demeaned. We're going to fight back because we are right and they are wrong. We're gonna protect our healthcare system. It's the best in the nation, and we're gonna treat one another with love and dignity.
0: Love and dignity. We're gonna protect our healthcare. We're gonna make sure that we only yell, because when we yell, we get our point across. And our faint New York accent comes across even more strong. Cuomo out. You know, healthcare, folks, is something that everyone's going to be talking about now for the first time in a while. Going into the midterms, and, and I, I'm I'm going to say it. I think Republicans have done a a poor job um on on healthcare going into the midterms in terms of the messaging. You know, uh, we had a poll. Last month, you're at the Hill, a poll that health care was a top issue for voters, and health care is going to continue to be a top issue for voters. So, you know, here's the here's the bottom line, folks. Obamacare is a failure. Obamacare is not what was promised, is not what they said it would be, and then they had to try and protect us. From some of the crappier parts of the law, at least to extend us, out, extend it out longer so we would take longer to figure out what was going on. Um, but I don't think, you know, if I asked you right now, what are the Republicans? What are the Republicans offering when it comes to, uh, to health care? You know, it's not enough just to say, well, single payer is idiotic and we can't do that and it's too expensive and everything else. Yeah, that that's true. That is true, but we have to offer an alternative to that. You know, we have to do something that's more than just point out that uh, you know, there, are, there are a lot of Democrats out there who don't know the first thing about anything. So, you know, there are some areas where I'd really like to see Republicans take the lead, and, and this is a, one of them. I mean, insurers are saying there's going to be double-digit increases, folks, in, in premiums uh, in 2019. So you're, you're going to have a big premium hike. And, you know, if we're, if we're counting on people to th- remember what Obamacare did and how it drives premiums up and how it's terrible for the healthcare system, uh, I think we may be very disappointed when the votes are finally tallied up in the midterm election. So, you know, this, this is a problem. Uh, And there's some other areas of this, you know, Medicare Part D, which people say is great, but it's also really expensive. We probably want to rein some of that in and figure out how to bring down costs. And I I had on uh, Senator Ron Johnson today. We talked about the right to try legislation. So that'll mean that now if you really, really, really want a drug that hasn't gotten all the way through FDA approval, you can do it. If you can afford it. Keep in mind, some of these drugs cost several hundred thousand dollars. But, you know, I I just I wish there was a more cohesive message, because remember. They did not repeal Obamacare. They didn't even skinny repeal Obamacare. And that leaves open territory for Democrats to come up with a counter narrative about what's going on. here. It leaves open territory for people like Cuomo to be like, we love our health care system. When I go into a doctor, he puts the shiny metal thing on my chest and it is a little cold. But it allows him to hear my heart beat, which is good, because if my heart was not beating, I believe I would have a serious medical problem. So that's what they offer you. you know, the, the other side has no uh, has no solutions other than to pretend that we're going to get to a single payer system, which would be absolutely ruinous. Um, but that leaves because the Republicans haven't established a cohesive uh, narrative on this one. You might have Democrats You start playing games with, oh, well, you know, I'm actually for, you know, more choice in hospitals and blah, blah. And, you know, we'll work within the system and, you know, do, do a little sort of dance, a little shuffle in the middle between the issues. And, you know, every, every election is local, right, folks? This is when you get the, the Connor Lamb effect, this guy in Pennsylvania who, if you look at him, you talk to him, you're like, sounds like this guy might be Republican. Then he goes, well, I'm, you know, I'm pro-choice and pro-union and pro-Obamacare and you're going on the whole list, you know, pro legal alien, the whole thing. So if they, they can pull that stuff off, you know, I, I don't even know. What is the uh, what is the health care pitch from the Republicans right now? They did not manage to uh, repeal Obamacare. And, and I think that, that is a that's a, a big miss. Uh, and they don't have a, a clear plan. They've gone with people. So that's one area of vulnerability. I've got to be honest with you. That's an area of vulnerability. I think going into the midterms, it, it creates concerns for me and and it could result in cuz you know what happens if they take the house this turns into impeachment central that's what ends up happening in DC we're just going to be talking impeachment all the time and everyone's going to go into their corner and we're going to spend essentially the next 2 years in a protracted presidential reelection battle congress is going to be largely irrelevant nothing is going to get done and that's why it's so important that the, the Republicans keep the House and keep the Senate. You know, I'd also like to see them take some bigger risks on the legislation they're putting forward, but you know, I don't know, these days, you know, you got the Mitch McConnells, the Paul Ryans calling the shots, not, not, not encouraging. we got other stuff that I want to hit, so stay right there, team.
1: So far, the Democrats haven't given us any votes, and that's because they will do anything they can to not help the Trump agenda. Brett Kavanaugh, highest education, best grades, best tests, best everything. They thought 15 years ago he was going to be a Supreme Court judge. Look at Justice Gorsuch. How good is he? Not
0: allowing these great people to serve their country. It's a disgrace. So Trump. Making a case for Kavanaugh last night. It is a disgrace. And the people who are opposing Kavanaugh just always end up looking, one of my favorite words recently, unserious, right? They look buffoonish, clownish. What's the problem? Oh, the the currently serving judge on the D.C. Court of Appeals, which is considered the stepping stone to the Supreme Court by most folks who watch these things closely, And the guy who has the best legal pedigree you could possibly have, who everyone says is fair minded and decent and kind and good and brilliant, who Elena Kagan hired when she was dean of Harvard Law School, that person is somehow unqualified. for. I mean, I I saw this video today and I I try not to be nasty, even about politicians. I I don't get personal, but I try not to be too uh, full of of ridicule and snark, although sometimes I fail. And, and you, you get Kirsten, uh, by the way, can we, John, should the name be Kirsten or Kristen? I think we can only have one. I think. No, no, I'm not saying what is her name. It's it's she's Kirsten Uh, uh Jilla. Wait, is it? I just messed myself up. Is it Kirsten? or No, it's Kirsten. They only execute failure. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, but, but anyway, no, it's it's gosh. The point I'm trying to make here, John, is that there should only be one name because they're too close together and people get them wrong. It's Kirsten Gillib- uh, Gillibrand, all right? But w- we can only have one of these names. It can't be Kirsten or Kristen or K- K- Kirsten because, like, there's K- Kirsten Nielsen or whatever. It gets very confusing, all right? Anyway, Gillibrand, who is a senator from New York, my home state, I guess not anymore. Now my home state's technically the swamp. I'm, I'm a technically a swamp dweller. That's terrible, ugh. Good for access, good for the show, but so swampy. But here's what Gillibrand said today. Just, you know, had to get in the talking points. Let it rip. All the issues we care about, I hope all
3: of you will stand up against Judge Kavanaugh because his nomination to the Supreme Court will be the first step in actually overturning Roe v. Wade, the first step in making sure women don't have reproductive rights in this country, the first step in making sure that women don't have basic civil rights and civil liberties. This is a moment when we all have to fight back. All of us have to be organized. We have to make sure we are heard. We have to reach out to all our friends and everyone we care about in all 50 states. This has to be something that we all. All stand together and fight against Dutch Cavanaugh will be horrible for women's basic civil rights and civil liberties and we
0: should fight against him what the heck is she talking about folks that's a sitting senator some people talk about her as a a possible presidential contender although that's that's a joke no could you could you imagine Trump against her in a debate I mean it's just not non-starter and I really mean she strikes me as a deeply unimpressive person. From all the things, all the speeches, all the interviews, everything I've seen. Ever, this I don't know what what there is here to get excited about for for, Dem, for Democrats. I'm not even talking about how I disagree with her. But you hear the things that she says there. Uh, and this all ties into you know, why they don't want Kavanaugh and why they think Kavanaugh's not the guy. You hear the way. Reproductive rights. This is... A, a an Orwellian term in the truest sense. I mean, what what does this even mean? Why can't they just say abortion? If abortion is fine, why can't you just say abortion? If abortion is, as I believe, you can make a very clear case, the single most important right to the modern Democratic Party. I mean, the thing that they the thing that really defines the Democratic Party is that for, there's no room for pro-lifers in the Democratic Party anymore. None. Uh, people say, "Oh, I'm personally pro-life." In a lot of ways, that's even worse to be personally pro-life. So you know what what's ethical and what's not, apparently. But then in your public life, vote alongside the Nancy Pelosi's and the the abortion on demand all nine all all nine months of a pregnancy crowd. Uh, this, this is one of these issues where, you know, folks, uh, abortion is. There's not, there's not a, uh, there's not a two ways about it. There's not a, you know, there's not some. Oh, you know, it's it, this is just complicated. I mean, you know, it is a right and wrong issue. Uh, but, but you'll notice the way she talks about it, and, and it's as part of her opposition to Kavanaugh, she's saying, "Oh, reproductive rights, civil rights. What civil rights does Kavanaugh want to take away from women?" And a lot of us sit here and say, "I don't even believe that it's the." I don't even believe that it's the role of judges to, to do the things that Democrats are worried about, meaning that they're supposed to rule the constitutionality of laws. They're not supposed to come up with new laws just because they like something or don't like something. So I also, you know, th- their fears, in a sense, give you an idea of how Democrats view the Supreme Court. Their fears give you a sense of what. Uh, what they would like to have and what they would have. If they got one of their people in the White House. So I'm sorry in the uh, well, in the White House. True, but also on, on the Supreme Court. On the uh, on the Supreme Court. So, you know, I, I, I see this stuff about the Kavanaugh's going to get through, folks. I'm, I'm pretty confident about it. And, you know, de- Democrats, I think, have already they've spent themselves to some degree or, or they're still so focused on anti Trumpism that all that rage and all that angst and anger and vitriol that they would norm ordinarily try to mobilize for the purposes of stopping a supreme court pick that is you know they they don't have it because they're they're still all focused on Trump and Mueller and Russia and all this stuff that's where they are on this one that's the 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 problem as i as i see it um you know and then there's there's one other thing by the way and It has to do with Kagan. I mentioned her before. The Daily Caller reported on this earlier in the week that Justice Kagan fears politicized confirmations are destroying faith in public courts. I saw this tweet, and I thought to myself, you know, this reminds me of the way the media views, they, they never understand that you don't get to just pick the date when all consciousness begins, or you don't get to artificially say, well, I'm worried about what's happened in the last six months, and then the rest of us say, what about the last... Six years. And this notion of a politicized confirmation battle, first of all, that stretches back for decades, but it only really became an issue when liberals on the court started writing laws. And then it was clear that progressivism in this country and the American left viewed the role of the Supreme Court as a super legislature. And then it became an arms race to try and get conservatives or liberals on the court but liberals politicized it first. And this notion of a swing vote as kind of the, the balance, I mean, this is just this is a band-aid on the overall problem. We shouldn't be we shouldn't be thinking about conservatives or liberals in the Supreme Court. We should be thinking about good judges who interpret the law and have an understanding of the Constitution and and some deference to precedent, but also understanding that the, the ultimately this is about upholding and defending the Constitution via the law. And I just think it's fascinating that now that the political fights are out in the open over the Supreme Court, there are some liberals expressing regret about it. And just because they're about to lose, folks, that's why they have regrets about it. And that's the problem. And just like with, uh, with the media, as I was saying, they, they don't like all these attacks on the media and everything else. Well, when they had a monopoly on the national conversation, which they did for many decades via the media, at least a monopoly on the media conversation, You know, that was fine. Now that's gone. And now they're worried about people not trusting the media. Oh, okay. Well, that lack of trust didn't come out of nowhere. Just like our concerns about politicization of the Supreme Court didn't come out of nowhere. But, uh, you know, this is how liberals see the world. we got a big hour three coming up. Talk about uh, immigration a little bit and uh, talk about whether the wall... Is going to get built or not, the shutdown fight that is looming. we got a, a lot of things to discuss, my friend. So uh, please do plan on staying around for that. 844-900-2825, 844-900 buck if you care to call in. Also, Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. If you want to send me a message, we'll be right back. I've got long days, you've got long days, right? My alarm goes off at 5 a.m. I gotta then go and get after it at work just like you do, or I've gotta make sure that I take care of things on the home front just like you. You need energy to do it, folks. And if you're getting beaten down from really long days, or if you're putting in too many hours somewhere, you need a little boost, Strike Force Energy has got your back. Strike Force is a veteran-owned American-made energy liquid. It will fuel the fight that each of us have every day. All right, you wanna check this out. It comes in four flavors, zero sugar, zero calories. I have become a Strikeforce user, especially in the afternoons. It gives me that little extra edge to get things going. I just add that Strikeforce liquid to a little bit of water. I take the water, but you can put it in lemonade, yogurt, tea, whatever you want. Also, right now, if you go to StrikeforceEnergy.com and enter discount code BUCK at checkout, for every packet you buy, Strikeforce will donate one to military members around the globe. Again, StrikeforceEnergy.com, discount code Buck. Buck Sexton.
1: Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information
0: <laughs> with actionable intelligence.
1: One. All. Make. Make no mistake. America. Ready. Break You're a great American again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. In the past, politicians ran for office pledging to crack down on unfair trade. They never did anything about it. Only to get elected, and they just didn't do anything. The United States was allowed to truly get ripped off. But we're not going to let that happen. I'm not like other politicians. You've seen what happens. I've kept my promises. They're not dumping so much anymore, do you notice? And if they do, they're paying a 25% tariff or tax. So you know what I say to that? Dump all you want. I hope you dump a lot. Now, thanks to our tariffs, our steel workers are back on the job. American steel mills are back, open for business.
0: Trump, quite a rally last night in Florida. Quite a rally. We, we Look, we've been talking about it. The the dynamics between Trump and the press. Uh, but now people are getting a little bit more nervous about the possibility of a, of a broadened trade war with China. 25% tariff, $200 billion of Chinese imports, they're saying now. And th- this could start to bite just in time for the midterm election, which uh, I-, I have to say is, it-, it is a risk. You know, one thing, though, that you'll notice and, and I, I believe a lot of people that have seen this Trump wave coming have understood this from the beginning. And it, it's, at, it's at odds with much of the stuff you hear about politicians and how they should act and how they should be. Leadership isn't supposed to be a process of, when you are talking about presidential leadership, trying to, trying to establish a real change in direction on important issues to the country, it's, it's not about getting consensus and, and polling and the media on your side. I mean, you, you get consensus from as many of the American people as you can in order to become president. But once you're in that seat, le- leadership is not supposed to be putting your finger up in the air and deciding which way the wind is blowing and go with that. And on this issue of trade, I, I, you know, my thinking has come much more around to the Trump point of view on this, which is everyone agrees there's problems, especially with China. Every trade expert I say uh, I talk to says there's problems with China. Everyone that I know who follows this issue or, or even even in a. Every man says right, just from reading the newspapers, everyone understands China's a problem for us. Uh, and trade with China has caused problems in our economy. I mean, if nothing else, the ripoff of our intellectual property and some of the other things they're doing are really, really bad. But no one does anything about it. No one does anything about it. And then Trump comes along and he says, you know, we're actually going to stop this. We're going to hold the Chinese accountable for this. We are going to take action that will hopefully get a change in behavior from China. And they're not going to like it. And there could be some pain in the short term for us economically. And this is going to be some rough seas. That's leadership, though. Understanding there's a problem. Being willing to bear the costs of addressing the problem. And giving yourself a real shot of fixing the problem, if it were obvious folks, and, and I know you know this, and a lot of you who listen to the show saw what was going on with Trump before I did. so I, I approach this with with some degree of humility because uh, i've I have now seen i'm I'm a true believer through facts. I'm a true believer through reality on the ground, meaning that as I've seen what Trump has been able to do from the beginning, you know, and I've told this to friends and family. Man, I'm like, with every month, I'm like, Trump is even doing a better. Uh, Trump's even better than I thought. And now we're going on what, 18, 18 months of that. So you can imagine where I'm like, oh, Trump's even better than I thought. You know, I started out with, all right, let's see where he goes. You know, it's amazing he beat Hillary. And and I voted for him. And I told others to vote for him. And all right, I'm on, I'm on the Trump train. Let's see where it can take us. And now I'm like up in the front of the Trump train with the engineers like, choo-choo, baby, like a freight train. Choo-choo. You know, I'm I'm saying, let's go. Because I I see what is not just possible for him to achieve, but also who's against him and the lengths they're willing to go to. Look at how much we have to talk about the Mueller probe and all this other stuff. And and then on an issue like trade, my eyes have been opened. You know, what do smart people say on quote smart people, right? What do they say when when they're asked about trade? I'm a free trader. I like free trade. That's like saying, you know, I'm I'm pro. I I am pro liberty. Oh, what does that mean? You know, you yeah, I'm pro liberty, you're pro liberty, but that's not the answer to any question about liberty. That's not the answer to, you know, should you be able to grow weed in your backyard? Well, I'm pro liberty. I mean, well, that that's not enough. By the way, I think the answer to that's probably yes. You should be able to grow weed in your backyard, but that's a whole other discussion. And on trade, you just had this answer that was offered to you, oh, "I'm I'm I'm pro free trade," you know? And that's what all the other everyone looks around, "Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah." Trump comes along and they say, "Oh, he doesn't know anything. He doesn't understand this. It's too complicated for him." And he's saying, "Well, no, actually, free trade is not free right now. There are a lot of restrictions. There are a lot of tariffs. There's a lot of games the other side plays." I've been telling you about this, right? There's, there's not, there, there's quotas. There's percentages of the overall goods brought into the country. There are specific item tariffs where it's a percentage of, you know, you pay a cost based on the on on the price of the goods. I mean, there's all these different, there's slowdowns that they intentionally institute to give domestic production an advantage. All kinds of stuff. And not just China's, China's doing it, but Canada's doing it, and the EU is doing it, a lot of people are doing it. So he comes here to shake things up, and I feel like some people, especially in the GOP, they don't understand that, yes, yeah, shaking things up is uncomfortable at first. There is an adjustment period. There's, there's a necessary adaptation that has to occur and there's also the embracing of risk Trump is embracing risk no question and and it might not work we might get slammed in the midterms you know if tariffs end up being a a a big loser for us in the short term and uh, the economy turns you know this is not no one's offering guarantees here folks the only guarantee is if you don't try to deal with China on trade if you don't take the approach of we've got to fix this this is not, the status quo is not acceptable. Then you'll be in a place where you're suffering the same problems. You you have this. Nothing gets better. That is that's for sure. Right. Because if, if you're letting somebody steal from you and rig this rig the game, they're going to keep doing that. That's the only thing you're if you try to stop them, you might not be successful. But if you do nothing, they're definitely going to keep doing it to you. And I see how Trump has changed this, changed this discussion such that now. The so-called smart sets like, well, I mean, yeah, you know, there's you know, China is a problem and it's pretty bad. And, you know, maybe there's something that could be done here. So I, I just think that, it, you know, I, I'm not a <laughs> sound like Ocasio. I'm not like a trade expert, like Ocasio-Cortez style. I'm not like the expert on that thing or this other thing. But like, I totally like want socialism. Uh, no, but really, I, I'm not somebody who spends all day sitting or sitting down reading long trade agreements. There are people who do that. Right? They work it various government agencies and probably some think tanks in the economic wing and everything else. That's not what I do. But I see the argument he's making, and I think he deserves at this point, given the 4.1% GDP growth we just had, given how well the economy's doing, given that that wages wages as a percentage are up more now than they've been at any time since 2008, I think that uh, he's bought himself the leeway to try this out and have our support as he does it. And and as I said before, it's also he doesn't he he's not taking a, a plebiscite here. This is not, oh guys, before I do this, I want a show of hands. Do you think I should take on China on trade? He told us what the platform was, he told us what the agenda was, and those of voted for him said, All right, let's go for it. Let's see what you got. Um and, and on this issue I think he will surprise a lot of folks. Just like I think he's gonna surprise people on North Korea, although I've seen some of the troubling stuff in the last 24 hours about them still building missiles. I'm not blind to it. Neither are you. But let's see where it goes. On this trade war, I, I, I hope that the timing of it is not the problem because the timing could affect the midterms. But we will see. Uh, let's talk about the border wall and the shutdown. I got some more on that. Stay with me. <laughs>
4: Is the funding of the border wall going to wait until after the midterm elections? Probably, and that's something we do have a disagreement on. And So uh, Homeland Security won't get funded before the midterms? Probably not, um, but most of the government will be covered, and then at the end of the year, if we can't reach an agreement on that, we'll do what's called a continuing resolution for that little portion of the government uh, spending that's left unpassed in individual bills. So you're not worried about a government shutdown before no, the midterms? No, that's not going to happen.
1: I have heard this theory. I happen to think it's a good thing politically. I'm not doing it for politics. I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do. So I'm not looking at politics. But I happen to think that border security would be a good thing before the election. But there are many people within our party that are good good people that like you, that agree with you on everything you say, but they'd rather do it after. They don't agree on, on doing it before. And I accept their you know, their opinion. But I happen to think it would be a good thing to do before. I actually think we'd get more and there'd be more pressure on the other side because we're doing it because the Democrats are not giving us the votes.
0: So the shutdown decision is going to come pretty soon here. And, you you know, you heard there the the two different sides of this. You got one you get McConnell, majority leader, Mercer McConnell, and, and he's out there saying that that this absolute there absolutely should not be a shutdown now keep in mind you know mitch is not he's not worried about his position. He's not worried about his job and you know he he's a guy who is risk averse on these things now to be fair mitch is also he he's he managed to hold you know i gotta give the guy some credit I know a lot of people go on talk radio they bash the majority leader because it's really easy to just oh I'm sure so angry at all the Republicans yeah Republicans let us down on a lot of stuff but on some things, like, for example, not caving and doing the whole Merrick Garland thing. You know, Mitch McConnell held his people together. There weren't the defections that could have gotten the Mitch Garland thing going. And, I mean, Mitch Garland, gosh, Merrick Garland. The uh, M- Mitch Garland is somebody else, I guess. Uh, Merrick Garland. And, and as a result, we're going to have Kavanaugh on. And I think Mitch McConnell's going to get Kavanaugh through pretty quickly. So, so we give him credit. All right, fine. But, you know, the, there's, I, I think, a bit of amnesia here, folks. There's a bit of amnesia about what happened uh, this past January with the, the Schumer shutdown. You guys remember that? You guys remember the Schumer shutdown? Uh, well, he, here's, a, here's a little bit of, of background. Uh, Mr. Schumer should have remembered this is from the Washington Journal, that at least in the short run, whoever caused the shutdown loses. In 2013, Republican Senator Ted Cruz convinced the GOP House it could defund Obamacare, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Uh, while Republicans picked up nine Senate seats and 13 House seats in 20, in the 2014 midterms, the gains were despite the shutdown, not because of it. Well, you know, he, he, here's the problem with all this. I understand this is the conventional wisdom, right? I understand this. But, you know, Schumer and those guys, they were threatening to shut down the government because they thought that they had the upper hand. And we're told, oh, well, they they would have been blamed for it. So they stayed away from it. Right. But. I think that maybe it was because it was on the issue of immigration and people don't want amnesty. They don't want the government shut down for amnesty. And Trump was. The X factor in all this. I I, I think this can uh, actually work to our advantage. You know, what is going to get people to turn out in the midterms in competitive states? What's an issue that could really show where the Democrats stand versus where the Republicans stand? I have to say, I I think it is this issue. I I don't think there's another issue that comes uh, uh, close to this. And that's why Trump is going around saying things about the border, specifically. Play clip three. The
1: evangelicals have been so amazing to us. They came out and they voted 84 percent and double and triple the numbers that ever voted in election before. We love the evangelical Christians. If you want safety, if you want borders, if you want to have a country, then you need to go out and vote Republican.
0: That's right. There needs to be a reason. People have to be told why they should take their time, why they should show up. And, and, I, and I don't believe that, you know, this, the, 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 whose fault is the shutdown is the question they always ask. They always say it's going to be the Republicans' fault. But on this issue, I think if we say that it's about funding homeland security and getting a wall and and following through on a presidential promise. When you have a majority in the House, a majority in the Senate. The Democrats being obstructionist on this one, I I think that, well, you know, look, folks, we're not going to get a wall if it waits after the midterms. I really think that that's the case. And especially if the Democrats take the House, which all the numbers are saying is going to happen. So fortune favors the bold. We can either try something here. We've had Trump be so disruptive, managed to beat the conventional wisdom on all this stuff time and again. And now the conventional wisdom is saying, oh, no, no, this time, this time we're right. This time we're really going to get it. We understand this political moment. Don't fall into this trap. Don't make this mistake. And one, I think the media doesn't have the power that it has had in the past to assign blame over a shutdown uh and two i i think that if trump makes the case about w- why he is unwilling to remember uh, you know he's unwilling to be a part of the democrats doing business as usual on this stuff i i think it could work but I, you know if i'm a betting man i'm gonna bet that they're just gonna go along with it. i think that they're not gonna do the shutdown and we're just gonna go into the midterms and we're gonna lose the house and you know what they're gonna say if we lose the house folks you know this right now, and I don't mean to be pessimistic about this one. I'm just trying to be honest. But at the moment they lose the House, what they're going to say is, well, you know, now we can't do it because we got to work with the Democrats. And that window that we had to try and get a, a, a border wall will be gone. I One thing that I am absolutely certain of is that a wall would be effective, and then Democrats, if we ever got a wall built, Democrats would spend all this time talking about how you know, they never opposed the wall really, or the wall isn't isn't as effective as promised. They've told us it's a joke, right? That there's nothing that the wall will do. Uh, meanwhile, anyone who's been to the border says, well, if you make it harder to get across the border, less people will get across the border illegally. But uh, they they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. I, I'm I, I think there should be a wall, folks. This is what we were promised. Build the wall was the chant. Uh, we don't have any of the audio right now, but yeah, you know, we could find it very easily because it's all over the place. Build the wall. Build the wall. That's what they were saying. A, an establishment of sovereignty and a decision to break with the political consensus of the past few decades that we should just rely on members of Congress to get tougher when it comes to the enforcement of the very laws that they leave on the books that government after government, Republican and Democrat have been unwilling to enforce. You know, I, I think we forget now that it was really the George W. Bush, Karl Rove approach to be very soft on immigration issues, to not do very much at all about illegal immigration. And a huge number of legal immigrants crossed during the Bush years. The Bushes were not good on the border, folks. This is something that you don't often hear about. Not good on the southern border. Not good on border security. And it became this article of faith that for the GOP to be competitive in the future, they had to win over Hispanics. Well, in reality, what they've done is just created a bigger constituency for the Democratic Party, to leverage against Republicans on every issue, but specifically on the issue of immigration. I mean, you know, California is lost to the GOP forever, or at least for, you know, for, for my lifetime, unless some dramatic things change, because of illegal immigration. Other states will follow. Uh, this is a political conquest, and the Democrats know that, right? This is taking territory for the Democrat Party by changing the demographics through a process of lawlessness a wall would reestablish some degree of law and order on the border and i think that it's worth i think it's worth a fight but it's a gamble let's see if republicans are willing to roll the dice here's betting they won't we'll be right back liberty truth and great hair the buck sexton show is back I want to take a moment here to say uh, happy 30 years of first-in-class, first-in-the-nation broadcasting to uh, Mr. Rush Limbaugh. I know he's uh, he's today at, at the 30th year mark. I actually was uh, fortuitous enough to hear that there was the, going to be a—the president called in, I saw on Twitter, and uh, I managed to turn it on and, and hear President Trump calling into uh, Rush Limbaugh's show and— Thirty years of broadcasting—that's yeah, that's pretty incredible. You know, I'm there are a few people in the business who I have to say I, I always have and, and will owe a a debt of gratitude to, and uh, certainly I, I've got to put Glenn in there, Glenn Beck, for hiring me, for preventing me from taking on a couple hundred thousand dollars of loans to go to uh, graduate school instead, hiring me as a as I was hired as an assistant. Editor for Technology and National Security at TheBlaze.com, and that was seven years ago. Um, so, yeah, assistant editor for... for No, assistant editor for intelligence and technology. So the intelligence part I got, but the technology part I do not. Anyway, uh, so Glenn hired me. That was a really, obviously, a, a milestone, and I had never even thought of working in media really before that. Uh, but there was... A, among the biggest breaks I got in my in my career uh, was when I got the call from Rush Limbaugh years ago. Now, gosh, it was must have been four four years ago at least, maybe five. Uh, I got the call for, from it was five, right, John? Thank you. Five might have been six. I don't at least five years ago now, but I, I got the call from uh, from Kit Carson, and it is the only time. And, you know, Kit Carson, rest in peace. He unfortunately lost a battle with uh, with cancer a couple of years back. But uh, but Kit called me up, and I it was the only time I, rem- I thought somebody was messing with me because he was like, Kit Carson from the Rush Limbaugh show. How would you like to fill in for Rush? I mean, just just like that. I mean, just no. I was like, how would I like to fill in for Rush? You know, following the, in the footsteps of Mr. Sean Hannity, for example, who also not only is the biggest you know sean is the biggest show not on fox news not on cable news on cable last month which is just I, uh, you know that's astonishing so congrats to sean and his whole team i will say i miss i miss sean and his and his team that's the one of the downsides of being a swamp dweller is i don't get to hang out in new york and see sean and 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 his he's got this amazing uh, squad around him in New York City of really, really great folks. And I don't get to hang out with them as much, so that's kind of a bummer. Anyway, yeah, uh, Sean, Sean actually told me that the first time he filled in for Rush, uh, the microphone fell down and, like, fell out of the holder at the very start of the show, which is so classic. I, that's Stuff like that's happened to me, too. One of the times I filled in for uh, Glenn, I remember, I... I don't, I don't. I don't know if John. I don't think John was there for this one, uh, producer John. I don't think you were. You were running the board on this one, but I knocked over a venti, commie coffee, Starbucks. Yeah, it was Sarah all over the place, man. I mean, just and they had to run in the engineers because it was seeping over the top of the desk and it was going to get all of the very expensive gear. Uh, you know, Glenn had a beautiful studio in New York. Obviously, so does so do Rush and Sean. Uh, but anyway, back to Mr. Limbaugh here. Uh, there is no one else like him. I've never met Rush to this day. I've uh, never talked to him, never met him. Um, I know his team well. And, you know, Rush letting me sit in for him was was a total game changer. It got me uh, heard by folks across the country. I had somebody, I did the Greg Gutfeld show a couple of weeks ago, and I had people come up to me outside. And you know what? Two of them said not just two of them just came up me and said, I've really liked you ever since I heard you fill in for Rush. And yeah, I think I did a pretty good job filling in for Rush, but also getting the El Rushbo stamp of approval was it was like it's the radio equivalent of getting accepted to to Harvard early admission. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. So, uh, Mr. Rush, thank you so much. Happy 30 years of being the best. There'll never be anyone else like you. And uh, you've. Changed a lot of folks' lives, including mine. We got Roll Call coming up.
2: Hey, Team Buck, it's time for Roll Call.
0: All right, let's get to it with some Roll Call. Uh, We have, and by the way, if you want to be a part of the action, Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Best way to do it. Let's get to it. James writes, Young Guns, I assume James is referring to a movie quote from earlier in the week, and yes, in fact, uh, you are correct, I did make a reference to Young Guns, and here it is. But you can't be any geek off the street. Gotta be handy with the steel, if you know what I mean, or you keep. Indeed, Charlie from Young Guns, you cannot be any geek off the street. Our buddy Aries writes in, Buck, very powerful opening to the Monday podcast. Looking up the definition of treason in the dictionary, it says the crime of betraying one's country, especially by attempting to kill or overthrow the sovereign or government. So how is the attempt uh, entities like the Koch brothers and the Democrats who are trying to overthrow the sovereign authority of the American people by intentionally replacing us with foreign nationals, not treason? Uh, One of the lesser of two evils because they only want to replace us out of greed uh, and he wants. Yeah, I mean, Aries. Look, I, I get it. I get it, my friend. It is a uh, it is a frustration that there's so many who are working to overturn the election results one way or another. Bob is next up here. Movie quote was from Tuesday night was die hard again. Shields high. All right, Bob. All right. You got me. That's right. It was die hard, although I think I've said this now on the air. But nonetheless, you are correct. Uh here we go. Next up we have William, who's still on this taekwondo kick. Hey man, just watch some of the greatest UFC fights. You'll see folks getting high kicked to the forehead. You'll see a champion wrestler and champion jujitsu guy jab and kick for five rounds. Stop dissing taekwondo. It's another tool in the tool bag. I spend good money on my kids to learn taekwondo. One thing is for sure they might lose a street fight, but it won't be because they were afraid to fight. In our school we're taught fancy kicks are for sparring. My kids learn elbows, knees, joint locks, and submission. Okay, William, I'm, I don't know any Taekwondo. I, I take your word for it, buddy. I just read somebody. But let's be clear. Earlier in the week, somebody else wrote in to say they don't think Taekwondo is effective. That's that's not on me. I'm just, you know, take that up with the other dude. I don't know. And then William writes, ask Joe Rogan if Taekwondo is ineffective. Uh, I'd be happy to ask Joe Rogan that. Uh, if he ever had you know, the chance to sit down with him on his podcast, that'd be great. Uh, so there you have it. Virginia, greetings, Buck. Longtime Democrat. Woke up with Trump, and I really enjoy your show. Well, thank you, Virginia. I really like having uh, former Democrats listening. I even like having current Democrats listening, because if they're listening to me, at at least there's hope. You know, at least that that maybe they they see where I'm coming from on some of this stuff, and they're willing to be, they're willing to uh, hear the other side, which is a good thing. Bill writes, check out Sabaton for some cool newer pump-up music. They make songs about historic battles with an upbeat heavy metal feel. I personally like Winged Hussar's Shields High. Bill, I have never heard of Sabaton, so I will have to, I'll have to give that one a listen. That, that's, that's new to me. Monica writes, Where are my detonators? is a Hans Gruber quote from Die Hard. Yes, correct. You know what, guys? All right. All right. I get it. All right. You've been hurt on this one. You now, you want tougher action movie quotes. This is, it's too low level for you when I work them into the conversation from the most well known action movies. So I'm going to start giving you some, some curveballs. And you know what I'm going to do to make it really the real deal? I'm going to, I'm going to work in quotes. I'm not even going to say that's an action movie quote. And we'll see who can get, the secret action movie quote that I work into the show and just say it at some point in the show. We'll see. If you, you, you guys want to strap on the big boy pants out there and Team Buckland on action movie quotes. You know, you want to wear the belt. I always got confused, but in karate, is the red belt or the black belt higher, right? It, it red belt is right before black belt, right? But then isn't there a black belt with gold stripes on it or, you know, all these different belts? I think Bruce Lee once said belts are for holding up your pants. Uh, but so it's all working. Those action movie quotes. Angie writes, "Love the show." Another word we need to bring back is "tomfoolery." Shields High. You know what? I agree with you. I would very much like to bring back "tomfoolery." Um, I, you know, I, I think that's a good word. I think that's something that we could work. We could uh, get going into the conversation. So thank you so much, Angie, for that one, Patrick writes, here's a Spotify list with workout songs. Patrick, you are a scholar and a gentleman. Thank you for sharing that one, and uh, I will let you know. I'll give you my my review of your workout Spotify list, ASAP. Uh, I should probably post. You know what I'll do on, on Facebook? Maybe I'll post my Spotify workout playlist for all you guys, those of you who are on Spotify. That would be a fun idea. You can tell me what you think. And don't give me any guff because there's some, you know, I don't know, T-Swift on there or something. I I try to mix it up, folks. T-Swift is very talented, very, very talented. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Let's see what we got next here. Hold on a second. It's coming up in the thing. Jason writes, isn't it amazing how the party of science and evolution has completely abandoned both with both the issues of transgenderism and toxic male masculinity in the world of beta male democrats we see a complete rejection of survival of the fittest um interesting i never thought of it that way um evolution yeah i mean they they're they're always trying to redefine merit and excellence and and bend this look this is there's an obsession on the left Uh, with collectivism and with equality right those are the, the those are the the central beliefs i think of of leftism and atheism at some level too but now i'm really getting down to the rabbit hole but there's a central obsession with collectivism and equality and equality is an impossible goal i mean there is no such thing as as absolute equality and so context is always necessary for any discussion of uh, discussion of equality. Just like there's no such thing as absolute liberty, folks. We know that no one thinks that liberty means do whatever you want, whenever you want. Right. Well, I- equality just means equality I- in the nation state context, in the in the uh, the context of a polity of a political organization of human beings. It means equality before the law. That's really the best that we can hope for all these other efforts to make us the same are doomed to failure because we are not the same. You are trying to square a circle; it does not work. Uh, and you know, life is unfair. This is w- w- something else that I think a lot of liberals need to need to hear. And well, I guess they they all they do is talk about how unfair it is, but it's never going to not be unfair. I guess is part of the part of the discussion here. It's it's never going to be something that they can make go away. Uh, and so agitation under the guise of absolute equality is something you need to be on on guard against because it's it's not going to lead to good outcomes uh so there you have it paul writes hey buck love the show i listen daily don't always agree but that's okay well paul absolutely you know i I don't expect people always agree i feel you're honest and understand the world we have to deal with today i'm not alt-right nor am i a leftist i guess i'm somewhere in between right-leaning Uh, And then he wrote, I have a question. And Paul, by the way, I'm really glad uh, that you are able to listen to the show. You like the show and appreciate that. You know, I I just want people listening. Anybody who has a a mind for facts, knowledge and entertainment, I would hope would give this show a shot. I do a tremendous amount of, of research and reading every day before I come on air and I try to make the best use of the time we have together and and. And this, this is my life's work right now, is, is this show that you're hearing. So uh, thank you for listening to it. Thank you for being part of it. I know you wrote, I have a question, but I don't see a question here, so please get back to me with your question. I'll answer it as soon as I can. Sean writes, hey, Buck Shields, hi. Huh? I love the show and have listened to you since you were on The Blaze. I'm always a day behind on your show, but want to say, Adams over Jefferson any day, Semper Fi. from Sean. Interesting. Somebody who's willing to say they actually prefer... Adams over Jefferson. I feel like that's a rarity. I feel like you usually don't get that. People don't make that call. Michael writes, uh, "You need to start using blaflem regularly, huh?" I've actually never heard of blaflem. I don't I don't even. I'm assuming that's like piffle, or you know, it's uh, malarkey maybe. But I don't know anything about that. So uh, I got to look that word up. Donald Buck, something not enough people point out about free health care. How many countries are there um, where you would die from an illness that might bankrupt you here? Uh, what would you rather be, dead or in debt? Well, you know, William, I'm sorry, Donald, uh, this is one of these things where we can live in the real world or we can live in fantasy world. And the truth is that you're better off in America than pretty much any other country in the world. If you have a life-threatening illness, uh, and that's, I mean, maybe Switzerland, there's a few places people say, well, you know, they've got really advanced, but this is where you want to be. And in part, it's because we have incredibly hardworking and next-level brilliant surgeons and doctors and and people in the medical field who are well-compensated, folks. Yes, that's a part of this. I want heart surgeons to make a million, two million, three million dollars a year. I want them to make that. Because I want, you know, when it's when it's, you know, my relative that's getting open heart surgery, I don't want somebody who was, you know, middle of the class in 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 high school and, and third tier in grad school. No. I want somebody who is top of their game. And yeah, that's gonna be difficult to pay for sometimes. There's gonna be costs, literally costs associated with that, but isn't isn't that what you what's the alternative? It's all about incentives, folks. This is what collectivists, the leftists don't understand is that individual interest, self-interest, is a constant. It is a reality of our day-to-day lives. There's no way around it. And to try to either eliminate it from the way that you're setting up laws and, and setting up society, uh, or think that you can somehow just pretend it's not there, that, that is, again, doomed to failure. And I think that when I bring this up, and I know it sounds maybe a, a little, I don't know, esoteric or in the weeds or something but this is the this is what separates the mind of a conservative from the mind of a liberal these very basic concepts of the collective versus the individual of you know liberty versus equality i mean these are the this is why we approach the world differently than they do so i think it is important to spend some time on all of that uh thank you for being here team it's been a pleasure and honor as always great to have you hanging out with me in The Freedom Hut. We're going to have Raheem Kassam joining, which is going to be a lot of fun, on the Freedom Hut podcast later on this week. So get excited for that. It's on iTunes, also on Stitcher or the iHeart app. Until next time, team. Shields high. You ever heard of how an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure? It's true, right? Sounds a little trite sometimes, but you got insurance on your home, right? You've got different insurance products, probably for your car, too, I'm hoping. Well, guess what? You need something that protects your home from title theft okay the fbi calls home title theft one of the fastest growing crimes out there and i've had my credit card stolen that stinks right imagine that times 10 or times 100 it's way worse if an identity thief takes control of your home's title it's not hard to do folks i've seen how this can be done through a demonstration that home title lock put on they get all the information online you will only find out about this when you start getting the bills for the loans that somebody else took out against your home and all they've needed is Internet access to get there for just pennies a day, though, home title lock can protect you because it protects my most viable asset, my home. Register now for a free analysis and discover if your home's title has been compromised. That's a $60 value free. Visit home title dot com.